right, good morning again, everybody. I feel so unwelcomed at my own church. <laughs> all right, all right. So glad you guys have joined us. We are starting a new series on prayer this morning. I'm going to start out just, just sharing a couple stories with you from uh, one of my spiritual heroes, one of the guys uh, I've loved reading about. I've got uh, several biographies, several books that he's written, including uh, one that's like, uh, it's called Answers to Prayer. The older version, I think, was called 5,000 Answers to Prayer or something like that. Uh, but it's a guy by the name of George Mueller who actually, uh, he actually documented something like 5,000 or whatever significant prayers that God answered during his lifetime. Crazy cool guy, man of faith. Uh, actually, in the day, he was an orphanage owner. He he owned, uh, you can see, father of 10,000 orphans. He he owned and operated a bunch of different um, orphanages, primarily around England. And uh, the thing that sets his uh, orphanages apart from any, any others is that he decided he was going to run the thing based entirely on prayer. And so rather than going out and fundraising on the front end, rather than going out uh, when there was a need and broadcasting it, sending out newsletters and saying, hey, you guys got to give, rather than doing the shakedown to people, he's like, no, here's the thing. My God is able to provide, and so I'm just going to go in the back room, and we're going to pray, and God's going to take care of us. And you, you kind of hear that thing, in, in, I mean, especially in today's, in, in our mindset today, we're like, oh, that's a naive faith, right? That's a, oh, how quaint, right? A nice, simple little prayer. The thing that's crazy, though, is the kind of answers that, that he, I mean, that he's written down. Other people have told about him uh, ways that the living God has literally busted in and answered prayers. Super cool. Let, let, me, let me give you a few examples. This one's classic. I've shared it before. Uh, but... There's one particular example where uh, he was at the orphanage in uh, Ashley Downs, England, and it was morning, and they had the table set, they had the plates out, the cups there, the children were about ready to come down and sit at the table, and they had nothing. They had nothing to get. There was no nothing in the fridge, nothing in the bank account. There was no cash that they had on them. It was hopeless. If God didn't show up, the kids were going hungry. And uh, it happened that there was a, a family that was visiting uh, Mueller's, fr family friends of the Mueller's that they were visiting. And, uh, and they came down, they got ready, and uh, George Mueller took the, the hand of the little girl and said, come with me and see what our father will do. They walk in the, uh, the dining room where the big table was set for the children. They got down on their knees, and this is what he prayed. He prayed, uh, dear father, we thank you for what you're going to give these children to eat today. Before he finished that, there was a knock at the door, okay? He goes, answers the door, opens it up. It's the village baker. The baker's like, I had this horrible dream in the middle of the night last night that the children had no food. And so I got up and baked bread. And here's the bread. He, so he gives it to him. And, uh, of course, Mueller thanks the guy but goes back in. They get down on their knees, and they're giving praise to God for a God that hears the answers. I mean, the answers before they were asked, you know, six, eight hours before they even asked. Uh, this God had already been at work answering. And so as they're thanking God for that, they hear another knock at the door. They go and open it up. It's the milkman. He had a cart back in that day, huge wheels. One of the wheels had broken, and the whole thing was, was kind of tipping to one side, and they needed to fix the wheel, but it was too heavy because it was full of milk. And so they said, 
would it be okay if we offload the milk, give it to the children to drink this morning uh, so that we can fix our wagon? And Mueller's like, yeah, I think we can help you out. You know, like that kind of a thing. But they went back and they praised God. But this is, these are the kind of stories that happen again and again and again. And it's jaw-dropping. You read through these kind of books talking about it's one after the other, after the other, after the other. And it's jaw-dropping. You're like, what if God could answer your prayers like that? What if he still answers? What if, what if he's just waiting for you to ask and he'd be delighted to answer your prayer? What if, what if he could do that? What if he still does do that kind of thing? Another example, this one's great, but another example, it's in August of 1877, the, uh, the Mueller's take off uh, they're doing a North America trip, and so they're going to go. He's going to share. He's going to. He's kind of preaching, and he has some big plans like that. And so they start crossing uh, the Atlantic. They get over uh, to about off the coast of Newfoundland, and uh, and all of a sudden, uh, temperature changes. The temperature drops. It fogs up, and I mean like fogs up. You can't see your hand in front of your face kind of fog. You ever been in really bad fog? You ever tried to drive in that? You turn the lights on and you can't see it. It's worse than with them off. You can't see anything. You can't move forward. And so they were at a dead standstill. The, uh, standstill. the, the captain's like, I can't, I can't sail in this. If we keep going, we'll hit something. We will die. So he's at an all stop. After 24 hours, Mueller appears on the bridge and he's like, uh, he's like, Captain, we got to get this thing going. I've got an engagement. In fact, th- he, this is what he says. He says, Captain, I have come to tell you that I must be in Quebec by Saturday afternoon. The captain said, it's impossible. Have, have you seen the fog that's out there? It's, it's, it's just not possible. Very well, said Mueller. If your ship can't take me, then God will find some other way. I have never been late for an engagement in, my la- in the last 52 years of ministry. Let's go down to the chart room and pray. And again, at this, the captain's like, you've lost your mind. <laughs> like, what kind of, you're an idiot. Like, what kind of, you know, a sane asylum did you escape from? Uh, and again, he said to him, he said, do you, have you seen how dense this fog is? To which Mueller replied, no, my eye is not on the density of the fog, but on the power of the living God. Yeah. Mueller then knelt down and he prayed. He prayed for God to lift the fog, and when he had finished praying, the captain was about to join him and to start praying, but but Mueller put his hand on his shoulder and and encouraged him not to pray. He said for two reasons. He said, first, you don't really believe that God will answer, and second, I believe that God has answered already. And he says this, Captain, he continued, I have known my Lord for 52 years, and there has never been a single day that I have failed to get an audience with my king. He says, get up, captain, and open up the door, and you'll find the fog is gone. The captain got up, walked across the room, opened the door. The fog had lifted. The thing that's crazy is Mueller didn't tell the story. The captain did later because he gave his life to Christ on the spot. (laughs) He was like, what kind of God answers prayers like that? What, what kind of God can just speak and the fog is lifted? What kind of God can, can answer before we even ask and provide food and drink? Is that not crazy? I love stories like that, and I need stories like that. How about you? I need stories to kind of bolster my faith and remind me that there is a God who is on the throne, a God who delights to hear the voices of his children. He says, man, I... He, he begs us, he w- encourages us, come and bring your request to me. Come and pray and see if I don't answer. I love stories like that. 
I love quotes as well, and I'm kind of a quotaholic this week, but I've got a whole bunch I'm sharing on prayer because, again, they just encourage and kind of bolster uh, my faith. Listen to some of these. Corey Ten Boom, I love, uh, love this. says, the wonderful thing about prayer is that you leave a world of not being able to do anything, and you enter God's realm where everything is possible. He specializes in the impossible. Nothing is too great for his almighty power. Nothing is too small for his love. Next one, Craig Rochelle says, Our prayers invoke the living power of God. We are not praying to a distant, uninvolved heart to please God. We are praying to a loving and caring and personal God who calls us his friends. Mother Teresa says, God shapes the world by prayer. The more praying there is in this world, the better the world will be. The mightier the forces are against evil. Oswald Chambers says, when a person is born from above, when they're born again, they get saved. The life of the Son of God is born into them, and we can either starve that life or nourish it. Prayer is the way that the life of God is nourished in us. Isn't that great? Last one, Ian Bounds. Uh, Ian Bounds says, prayer makes a, a godly man or a godly woman, and he puts within them the mind of Christ, the mind of humility, of self-surrender, of service, of pity, of prayer. And he says this, if we really pray, we'll become more like God or else we'll quit praying. To which there was, it got a little quiet in here. <laughs> a collective gulp in the room, right? Gulp, right? Amazing. I, again, I love stuff like that. Or, or there's, there's verse after verse after verse after verse in the Bible that talks about prayer and the importance of it. Listen to some of these. Colossians 4.2, we're told to devote ourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Devote yourself to prayer. How many of us would say, oh, I'm devoted to prayer, right? I mean, it's something that I think a few people, typically who are gifted, have the gift of intercession, the gift of prayer, often might say, yes. Most of the rest of us, I think, if we're honest, would say, I kind of struggle sometimes. Next one, 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray how often? Okay, that was weak. You can talk in church, you know, right? Pray how often? Continually, right? Is that, does that mean most of the time? They say pray, pray all the time, again and again and again and again throughout your day. James, the brother of Jesus, right, uh, writes in James 5, 13 through 16, is any of you in trouble? What's the response to be? Let them pray. Is anybody happy? Let them sing songs of praise, which is, which is another way of saying they should pray, right? Verse 14, is any of you sick? Let them call the elders or the leaders of the church to pray over them and to anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise them up. If they've sinned, let them pray, and they'll be forgiven. Verse 16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. Listen to this. It says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Your prayers, if you're a follower of Jesus, right? Your prayers, the Bible says, are powerful and effective. I love that. I mean, he's, how are you doing? Are you in trouble? You should pray. Are you sick? You should pray. Have you sinned? You should pray. Are you happy? You should pray, right? He just, again and again and again, just this importance of prayer is set up before us. Jesus himself talks about prayer all the time, a ton. Listen to a couple of these. Some of these are like jaw-dropping kinds of promises straight from the lips of Jesus. Listen to this. He says to his followers, ask and it will be given. 
Just think about that first. Jesus says, ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find me. Knock and the door will be open to you. He says again in John 14, it says, Jesus is talking to his followers. I will do whatever you ask in my name, in my name, according to my will, right? So that my father, so that the father may be glorified in the son. You can ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. You hear that? Isn't that crazy? This is, these are crazy kinds of promises straight from the lips of Jesus. And as you, as you read through the rest of the New Testament, you see answers to prayer like that. You see some jaw-dropping kinds of things in the book of Acts, for instance. You see the people of God, the, the early churches together, just a little group of them, and they're praying and praying and praying, and 3,000 people come to Christ that day. <laughs> like, you're like, what? How does that happen? Another time, uh, Peter, right, the leader of the church in that day was put in prison, and actually, he he, uh, he was set to be executed, right? Things were not looking good. The, the, the leaders thought, well, you know what? We'll just take out the leader. We'll t- I mean, we took out Jesus. We'll take out Peter. It'll be the end of this whole church era kind of thing. Enough with the Jesus stuff, right? So they, they arrest him. They put him in prison, and they say, you know, we're going to kill you. We did it to John the Baptist. We're going to do it to you. And, uh, but here, here's the thing. There's, there's one little phrase in there that's interesting. It says, it says, but the church was earnestly praying for him. And so it goes on and talks about God sent an angel who released Peter from the chains, who opened the prison door, who walked him out of the prison and into freedom. In fact, so much so that he comes back to the church and he knocks on the door and they're, st- they're like, no, 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 we're praying. We're praying for God to set Peter free. And Peter's like, hello, you know, like, here I am. It's crazy. But he answers prayer in unbelievable kinds of ways. Uh, we get reminded of uh, uh, the prophet Elijah, who's both in the Old Testament, but is mentioned again in the New Testament in the context of prayer. It said, you know what? He's, a, he's an ordinary guy, a guy like you and like me. He prayed to God that it wouldn't rain, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. Anybody had that experience before? <laughs> like, I mean, it's jaw-dropping. Guys. He prayed again, and it rained. Rain came from, from the heavens, right? It rained down amazing sort of answers to prayer, stuff that like you drop your jaw at. And you're like, wow, what if God really does answer prayers like that? I don't know about you, but I love stuff like that. I love those, those stories in the Bible about God answering prayer. I love verses. I love quotes. I love stories about that kind of stuff. I love them and I hate them. <laughs> I have a love-hate relationship with, with those kinds of stories because sometimes, I love them because sometimes they inspire me, they challenge me, they say, man, I gotta be hitting my knees, I gotta be lifting this stuff. It reminds me that God answers prayer, period. Like he does, right? That's what the promises of Jesus say. He answers prayer, he reveals himself, he draws people to himself, he busts into human history and works in unbelievable ways. And I love stuff like that. There's eras of my life where I walk in that truth and that reality, right? And I'm praying and God seems to be answering everything that I'm praying. I'm like, ah, oh, this is great. It's a good era. I love stuff like that. But, <laughs> you know where this is going, right? But there's some eras of my life that aren't like that at all. And, and verses and stories like we talked about are frustrating to me. Because there's sometimes where I am praying earnestly, and I'm praying for stuff that, that is straight from the lips of God, right? straight from, straight from uh, the lips of Jesus, stuff that I know he's for. 
and I'm praying and praying and praying for it. And it seems that everything I pray in that era is either a no or a wait. There's sometimes when, uh, you know, again, some things in good eras, sometimes I pray and it's like I can sense and know his smile and his presence with me. And there's other eras where I'm praying and it feels like my prayers are bouncing off the ceiling. It feels like there's nobody home. I love it and I hate it. How about you? You ever feel that way? Yeah. <laughs> Is prayer ever a struggle for you? Sometimes prayer feels like work to me, like you're going through it and I'm, I, I don't know, I'm not seeing it, God, I'm doing it, but I'm not seeing it. Some of us, I think, just struggle even just to, to actually pray throughout the day. We're kind of... I struggle with this. I'm an activator. I'm a doer by nature. And so if I see something, it's easy for me to try and go attack it and go after it instead of stopping and bowing my, my knee and my head before God and actually taking stuff to him. Sometimes prayer is a struggle. I love it. I love it. And, and I hate it both. Sometimes it's work for me. Sometimes he feels distant. Sometimes I don't see the answers. Sometimes my own prayers just feel flat and stale. Sometimes I pray with passion and fervor, but sometimes I just get discouraged. You know, it's a pretty common prayer for me. Uh, when, when I pray, I did this a lot, especially the, the first, I don't know, five or ten years I was a believer, and I, I do it some still now where I'll just pray, God, would you teach me to pray? Like, you know, it's the first, the way I start out praying sometimes, because I just feel like I'm not very good at it. You know, like, you just feel like, I, I mean, I'm doing it, and I'm trying to, I've, I've learned a lot, and whatever else, but I just feel like a novice at this whole thing about prayer. You know, we did a survey uh, at Ignite here a few months ago. It's called Natural Church Development. It's something we do every couple years. It's kind of a report card, if you will, on how we're doing as a church, on what are we doing really well, um, what are some areas that we need work on, and uh Overall, it was a super positive kind of report. There was tons to celebrate, tons to whatever. Our scores were super high. But as you look in and zero in on the bottom 10 questions, the bottom 10 responses, three of the bottom 10 had to do with prayer. We as a church were saying, you know what? We're not very good at praying. We're not good at praying individually. We're not good at praying out loud. Sometimes we, that makes us feel nervous. We're like, I don't know about this whole thing. Sometimes uh, we even feel like, man, I, I don't even know if I have uh, people around me that, that if I was in need that I could go to when they'd pray for me. And so we as a church are saying over, over these next 12 to 18 months, we're going to put our foot down on the prayer gas pedal, if I can say that, and try and lift up this value. We're going to do some teaching on prayer. Obviously, we're starting a series on this. From now through the first week of December, we're going to dig into this teaching by Jesus on what prayer is all about. We're going to provide, uh, I mentioned it, I think, last week or something, but November 15th, we're going to do a, a prayer and worship night, right, and kind of give some, some opportunities to come, not just on Sundays, but some other times, and have some more extended time of prayer together. If there's stuff on your heart, stuff going on in your, in your life, you can come, and we as the church can kind of gather around you and pray for you. We can worship and have some extended time with God. So we're doing lot, lots of things. Our, our, our prayer team's being bolstered. We're going to have some opportunities throughout the year uh, during the service where, again, uh, you can kind of respond to God and come up and receive prayer, have us pray with you, diff different kinds of things like that. But it's all around this whole idea of learning to pray. And here's the deal. With all this stuff, my heart, my uh, 
what we're shooting for is not just that we'd learn some stuff about prayer, because that's the danger, right? We can come to church and be like, oh, good sermon, pastor. I wrote down a whole page of notes about prayer. Like, I, that's good, but really, in the grand scheme of things, I don't really care. Because what, what the goal is, is I want us to actually learn to pray. And so, so that's, that's, we're, I'm gonna, we're gonna talk about some stuff over these next weeks, but the emphasis has got to be, okay, let's, let's actually take this stuff and, and take a step. Will it be outside of our comfort zones? I almost guarantee it, right? But are we gonna take some steps and say, okay, I'm gonna spend some time learning to pray. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'll, I'll spend some time praying and drawing close to and learning even about prayer from God, from spending time uh, with him. Well, we're going to dig into um, uh, a passage that's known as the Lord's Prayer. Right? We're going to spend uh, the next few weeks there, and I think there's some great stuff we're going to learn about prayer. There's some stuff we're going to unlearn about prayer. If you, if you grew up in the church, probably some, some habits and some things that we've done uh, that, we're, that don't necessarily line up with what Jesus teaches about prayer. And so we're going we're gonna to dig into some of those things. And, uh, and yeah, today I'm going to start out just talking about um, a couple things that prayer aren't, straight from the lips of Jesus, and, and uh, one thing that prayer is. And so if you've got your Bibles, open them up to Matthew chapter 6. So we're going to camp out. It's a passage it's in the middle of what's called the Sermon on the Mount, which uh, is just a, it's the biggest chunk where we can see Jesus teaching in the New Testament, right? It's, it's, uh, it's his, it's the best sermon in history, right? It's, it's the teachings of Jesus uh, straight up. And, and, uh, and so at one point, uh, he teaches about prayer. So Matthew 6, you can follow along in the Ignite Church app. It'll be on the side screens. It'll be everywhere, but I encourage you to follow along with us. Before we, before we get there, before I read that, let me give you a little context. There's uh, two places that have, there's a parallel place. Also in Luke 11, uh, teaches us about the Lord's Prayer. And it gives us a little bit more insight into the backstory. Let me just read this to you and, and, and give you a little bit of perspective as to where this teaching is coming from, okay? It says this, the context. Luke 11, one says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples to pray. So Jesus is praying. No, I mean, first of all, can I just hit pause and say, think about that for a second. Jesus is praying, right? Who is Jesus again? Son of God, like, is that, does that seem significant? Sometimes I think we're tempted to think, I don't really need to pray. To pray. I'm, I'm okay on my own. I can kind of man up and just take, take control of my own life. Jesus, okay, the Bible gives us some snapshots about Jesus. He was there at creation. He spoke and everything came into being. You wonder where the Big Bang came from? It came from the lips of Jesus, right? I mean, go boom, right, kind of thing. It, Jesus spoke and everything came into being. He was the Savior. He wrote, I mean, he raised people from the dead. He himself kicked the door out of his own grave, out of his own tomb, and walked out alive. Think of this. Jesus, the Son of God, the Lord of the universe, spent time praying. Why? Because prayer is really relationship with the Father. That's, that's what prayer is. It's relationship with the Father. It's access to the Father. And of course, Jesus had that and models that for the rest of us. But I, I think that's, that's crazy. So, so Jesus is praying and his disciples look at him and say, man, we want to know God the way you know God. We, wanna, we want you to teach us about prayer so that we can have access to, to God the way you have access to God. To have the, the way we have seen God answer your prayers, we want God to answer our prayers like that. 
Anybody else feel like that might be kind of cool? <laughs> to have the same access to God that Jesus had? Right? I mean, so, so, so like, Jesus, would you teach us to pray like that? Would you teach us to have a relationship with God like that? And to, to my amazement, Jesus says, yeah. He says, yeah. In fact, here's the deal. I want you to have that kind of relationship with God. In fact, that's part of why I came, right, is so that you can have that kind of relationship with the Father the same way that I have that kind of closeness and intimacy and relationship with the Father. I came so that you could have direct access to God. That you don't have to go through a priest. You don't have to go through somebody else. You don't need a pastor to pray for you. You yourself can come face to face with the living God. You can pray. You can talk to him. You can draw close to him. And so it's out of that context that Jesus starts teaching. And he says this. Matthew 6 verse 5 says this. When you pray... Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue or on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what you've done in secret, will reward you. Verse 7. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you even ask Him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts, our sins, as you also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. All right, that's kind of where we're going. That's where we're going to be camping out over these next weeks. I just want to look at the first, uh, let's see, four or five verses that are talking about what prayer isn't and what prayer is. Jesus kind of points out, he's like, before we can even get to prayer, I need to, to, to have you unlearn a couple of things that you've already learned. And then I'm going, to, I'm going to highlight and tell you what prayer really is. And so the first thing he says this, he says, prayer is not a show, right? He starts out, he says, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to be seen. They love to, to pray standing and up in the synagogues and on the street corners, out loud and visible to be seen by others. He says, truly, they've received their reward. They received their reward in full. But when you pray, instead, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who's in secret, who's in secret. When he sees you and hears you praying in secret, he'll reward you. Now, believe it or not, Jesus is not saying that you should never pray in public. That's not what he's saying, right? There are tons of examples where Jesus, as well as his followers, pray out loud, pray together, and it's a good thing. It's, it's elevated. It's a value in the Bible. But the warning here is against hypocrisy. He says, when you pray, let your eyes be fixed on the Father. If you pray differently in public than you do in private, then there is a big problem. I mean, some of us don't like to pray out loud, and I'm not picking here. I think that's probably a good portion of us. But some of us don't like to pray out loud, and the reason we don't like to pray out loud is because we're afraid of what people are going to think of us if we pray. Right? We're going to say, oh, I'm going to look stupid to them if I pray. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sound foolish. They're going to understand what a, what a spiritual midget I am if I pray out loud or something like that. Right? I mean, we're worried about that. And what Jesus is saying is, man, your eyes should not be on them. Prayer, prayer, first and foremost, is a gaze at God. It's a connection with God. Don't worry about what everybody else is going to, to say or think. When you pray... 
Look at me, he's saying. When you pray, set your gaze on the Father. <laughs> I was thinking of examples of that kind of thing. I mean, and, and there are times, right, where we pray differently in public than we do in private. For instance, <laughs> this is one of my pet peeves. It's, it comes from being raised in a, a, a more traditional kind of church. But do you know, if I say the God voice, do you know what I'm talking about? Like the God voice. If you say the name of God differently when you pray in public than you do in private, then what's that about? Is that show? Right? If, if I mean, I, I was, <laughs> yeah, I was thinking earlier, uh, like sometimes we'll, we'll say the name of Jesus, right? Kind of thing. Like, in that kind of, like, do you do that internally when you pray? Or is that like a show? Or I mean, it's like, again, I'm not picking. All of us probably have some stuff in here. But Jesus is like, man, you need to unlearn some things, right? Because, because prayer is not primarily about a show. It's not about looking spiritual to other people. He's like, what? you out of your mind. In fact, the passage right before this is talking about giving. He said, giving is not something you do for a show. He said, instead, don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. It's let it be real worship for God, right? Prayer is the same thing. It's not a show. It's about a, a soul, a gaze that is directed at God. It's about connecting and being with the Father and crying out to Him. And there's power in doing that together, right? There's, there's power in it. But don't put on a show. Right? That's not what it's about. Don't, don't worry about how you're going to look. When you pray publicly, do you pray dip for different things than you do personally when you're in your own prayer time? If so, again, Jesus says, man, don't, don't, don't do that. Let it be authentic. Let it be real. Let your public and your private prayers be the same because your gaze is fixed on Jesus. There's this, there's this great story, uh, true story, uh, from President Lyndon B. Johnson, right? Back, back in the day, he had one of his advisors, his aides, Bill Moyers, he invited um, over to the White House for dinner one night. And so they're at, as you can imagine, it's the White House. So they're at the, the table, but I mean, it's a big old fancy table and that kind of stuff. Moyer was actually an ordained minister. And so like, and I get this because if you're a pastor, every time you walk in a room and there's a meal, what do they say? Do you want to pray? <laughs> right? Like kind of thing. It's sort of the, the deal. But so at, as you would expect, Moyer walks in and, and the president says, hey, you're, you're a pastor, right? Do you want to pray? And so uh, Moyer said, sure, I'll pray. And so everybody bowed their head and he started asking quietly for the Lord's blessing on the president and, and started praying for him. And, and from the other end of the table, the president bellows out, speak up, Bill. I can't hear you. To which Moyers replied, I wasn't speaking to you, sir. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, there's something great about that. He's in the room at the table with one that most people in our world would consider the most powerful person in the world. And yet his gaze and his attention and his focus was on one that was better still, one that was more powerful still. And he was pouring his heart out to the Father. And that's not to say we should, you know, when we're praying publicly, let's mumble, let's pray so nobody can hear us. No, but that's not the gaze, is it? That's not the focus. It doesn't matter. I'm talking to the Father. It's not a show. It's not about what others think. It's not putting on, making yourself look better or more spiritual. It's an authentic relationship with the living God. So that's the first thing. 
Um, second thing, it, it, prayer is not a system. <laughs> I'll just kind of say this. Verse 7, it says, and when you pray, Jesus says, don't go on babbling like the pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask. He knows. Well, the first kind of group is talking about hypocrisy, and it's, it's, he's kind of talking to religious-type people, people that come from a religious background. He's saying you need to unlearn some stuff about praying. It's not a show. This one is, I mean, he says it's, it's, for, it's directed towards pagans. Now, pagans in the first century, they believed in God. They believed in gods, in fact. But there was sort of this understanding that if you, that there was like a magic abracadabra sort of way to pray. If you prayed to the right God with the right words, with the right amount of passion and the right you know, sequence, and you said them over and over and over and over and over, then sooner or later, God or the gods or whatever would answer you because it's sort of like a formula, right? It's sort of like a hocus pocus kind of deal. Rub the lamp kind of thing, and God will answer you if you do it just right. Now, you might be like, well, pff, I'm no pagan. What, what does this have to do with me? You know what? I'm, I'm not so sure that we're all that different. While the tendency is sometimes we can, all, we can do the hypocrisy thing, I think we can also do the pagan thing. Let me give you some, an, an example. This might be extreme. But I can remember uh, in my early 20s going to a small group um, at a church with a friend of mine. I was hungry for some fellowship and connection with some other believers. And uh, the small group was meeting in somebody's basement. So we walked in. We were a little bit late. Walked in, and I, <laughs> we go down to this basement, and there's maybe 30 people, and they're all standing up. They're praying, clearly. And all of them are praying, and they're praying at the top of their lungs all at the same time. Like, I mean, it's like 200 decibels, right? I mean, it's like, ah! You walk in, and I'm like, what is going on? And they're, ah! I mean, they're all praying, Jesus! I mean, this just kind of going all at the same time. And I'm like, what is going on? And I thought, interesting. And, uh, and so, you know, we prayed. We had a group and that kind of stuff. And I went home, and I was thinking about it later and thinking, you know, nobody would have ever said this. But I think there was this understanding that, like, if, you, if I pray loudly, if I pray with all the passion and energy and strength that I have, God will be more likely to answer. And, of course, I'm a passionate individual. I like passion. I think, I mean, if we're going to be passionate about anything in life, I think we have to be passionate about Jesus, right? I mean, so I'm, in, I'm in favor of passion. But do you know, understand what I'm saying? If we start thinking there's a magic formula, if I do this and I do it this way and I do it this number of times and I do these words and I do this kind of whatever, then God will be obligated. That, that it'll be more likely that God will do what I want him to do. And you know what Jesus says? You know, it's not a formula, right? It's not, it's not about the, you know, this, this right specific thing to say or the right words or the right way or the right whatever. He says, instead, I love how he says this, instead, don't be like them. For your father, no, he knows what you need before you even ask. Instead, just pull up a chair and meet with the living God. Pull up a chair, meet with the living God. Now, maybe we're not tempted to, uh, to do that. Maybe we're not tempted to, to yell or to whatever it got. But I, I do have to say, it's one of those things I, I mentioned earlier, that sometimes we'll, we'll use the, the name of God. Sometimes I'll hear people, and when we're really serious about prayer, we'll be like, oh, Lord, Savior, baby Jesus. You know, like, I mean, we can't start listing out everything we can think of. Because, and there's sort of this expectation of like, man, if I really mean it, right, and I'm going to pray this kind of way, and then God will answer it. 
And is there anything wrong with, uh, with calling out God's name? No, of course not. It's great. It's a great way to worship. It's a great way to kind of remind ourselves of, of who we're praying to. But sometimes I think we kind of, again, we kind of say the right words because we think, oh, then God will answer. And, God, and Jesus is saying, no, it's not about a show and it's not about a system. And this takes us to our third one. Instead, prayer is really a relationship. I think when it's boiled down, prayer is about relationship. I want you to look at, I've highlighted on the screen, four times in five verses, Jesus, when he's teaching, he's starting to teach about prayer, he uses the term Father. He says, no, no, you need to understand prayer is like going to your dad, right? It's like crying out to a good and perfect and loving Father. Now, you got to keep in mind, in this day and age, this was a pretty abnormal kind of teaching. In fact, uh, in, in Jewish culture, uh, people wouldn't even say the name of God, Yahweh, right? They wouldn't even say his name. Why? Because God was considered just too holy. You can't say his name. You can't look at him. You can't get too close or you'll die. So there's this natural distance that sort of gets, gets applied into people's relationship with God. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. It's like... We, Here's the thing. When you pray, here's how I want you to approach God. Here's, here's what I want you to think. I want you to say, Daddy. I want you to say, Papa. I want you to say, Father. Because that's who God is. He's like a good and loving and perfect Father. Jesus steps into this culture and this understanding that God is big and powerful and a little scary, which he is, all those things, right? But he says, man, you, he is not distant. He is not aloof. And so he, when his followers say, man, teach us to pray, he says, I'll teach you to pray. But, but the first thing you need to know is you're going to your father. You're going to a good and perfect dad. He's saying it's about a relationship. He's papa. He's daddy. He's father. He's close, and he cares, and he loves you so much. He has your best interest in mind. When we think of our fathers, good ones anyway, uh, will they give us good gifts? Yes, they will. Of course, they'll give us good gifts, but it's not primarily about that. Is it? Listen, listen to this, uh, Matthew 7, next chapter, verses 9 through 11. Jesus is talking again about this. He says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? What's the implied answer? Nobody, right? I mean, if, if your son is hungry and needs food, are you going to give him a rock and say, here you go? <laughs> go gnaw on this for a while? No, he's saying, of course not. Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake, something that'll hurt him. Would you do that? No. He says, if you then, though you are evil, though you are sinful, know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will your father, again, there's that word again, your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Will he give you good gifts as you ask him? Yeah, but prayer isn't primarily about asking for what I want. Gimme, 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 gimme. Why? Because prayer is about relationship. It's about relationship. It's about relationship with the Father. I love this quote from Tim Keller. It says, the only person who dares wake up a king at 3 a.m. for a glass of water is a child. He says, we have that kind of access to God. Isn't that a great picture? Is God powerful? Yeah. Is he able to do anything we could possibly imagine and then some? Absolutely. But, but the best gift that he gives us is not what comes from his hand, but it's what comes from his heart, right? He says, I want relationship with you. The best thing he can give us is himself. And he says, prayer is that thing where there's relationship, where he opens up himself and he says, come close. 
draw near, get to know me. Let me pour my love on you. Let me remind you of who I am and who you are. Of course, bring your requests, your needs to me, and I'll answer, of course. But I have so much more in store for you than that. This idea of what it means to have a relationship with, a, with God the Father, I think it's tough for us sometimes because so many of us have a terrible picture of what a father is because of how we grew up. We might picture God, or the Father, as, a, as, as one who was absent or distant or maybe aloof or too busy for us or angry or ready to put the smack down on us and critique us or whatever. But that's not who God is. When, he's, when he uses the term Father, he's talking about the perfect Father, a Father who loves you, a Father who delights in you, who wants to hear from you. It's no coincidence that Jesus mentions this term Father four times in five verses. He wants us to understand that we have access to God like that, like a child has access to his Father. Until we get this, until we understand this relationship, until we understand that that's what prayer is really about, we'll struggle with it. We'll struggle with prayer until we kind of understand this. We'll struggle even to understand the Lord's prayer until we understand this father-son or father-daughter relationship. There's a story from uh, Dallas Willard in his book called Hearing God that he tells, and I love it. I, I think it's just the perfect picture. He says, a little child's mother died, and as a result, this, this little uh, boy could not be consoled. He continued to be troubled. He continued to mourn over and over, day after day, week after week, month after month, as, as you'd expect. And he struggled especially at night. Every night his dad would put him down uh, in bed and inevitably the kid might fall asleep, but he would wake up panicked and crying and having anxiety and all this kind of stuff. And finally his father would go in and he would set him in his own bed and, and, uh, and then every night it was the same kind of thing. Before the boy would be consoled, before the boy could go to sleep, he would turn and he would, he would ask. He would say, Father, is your face turned towards me? And he'd reach out and touch, touch his face. And, and once he was assured that, yes, my face is turned towards you, son, then he would find peace and comfort and he would be able to go to sleep. And uh, the author, Dallas Willard, says this. He goes on to say how lonely life can be. There is all the difference in the world between having a fine general view that this is our Father's world versus having confidence based on experience that the Father's face, whether in the darkness of night or in the brightness of day, but the Father's face is turned towards us, shining upon us, and that he's speaking and listening to us individually. Friends, whatever else prayer is or isn't, it's got to start here. It's got to start with this understanding that we are praying and we are drawing close to and we are moving in, in the direction of, in relationship to a father whose face is turned towards you. He loves you and he delights in you. He wants to hear your voice. He wants to comfort you when you struggle. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to speak to you and lead you and guide you. When you rejoice, he wants to rejoice with you. And when you grieve, he wants to be there to comfort and heal and restore and draw you close. He's Abba. He's Father. He's Daddy. He's Papa. He says, when you come to me in prayer, don't come for a show. Right? 
Don't come with some sort of formula or system thinking this is how I get what I want. Come with a heart that says, I need you, Daddy. Right? I want to draw close to you. I want to know that your face is turned towards me. I want to experience your love and your salvation. Would you come and cleanse me? Would you come and bring me close to you? Because I need you. I want you. I don't know where you're at with God today. I'm not sure what the application specifically is for you individually. Maybe all this talk of relationship with God is, is foreign to you, and you're like, man, I don't, I don't even know what you're talking about. And if that's you, I, I would just say, man, maybe the step for you, maybe the next step for you is just to open up your heart to him and just kind of pray a little prayer right now in your seat, wherever you are, and just say, God, I want to know you like that. I want to know your presence in my life. I want to know that your face is turned towards me. Would you teach me to have relationship with you the way Jesus walked with you and talked with you and heard from you, was led by you and filled with you? God, I need you and I want you in my life. Would you come and would you, would you lead me and would you bring me home? Maybe some of us are, are like, yeah, I mean, I've done that and I want to know him, but I still kind of, this whole prayer thing is uncomfortable for me. I don't feel like I know what I'm doing. And so maybe for you, as, again, as we go through this series, it's great to learn stuff about prayer, but let's, let's start putting it into practice. Maybe for you, uh, maybe it needs to be like, you know what, I'm going to take 10 or 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes, and I'm going to carve. Uh, I was encouraged. This is how I run my life, and I encourage others to do the same. Put it in as a reminder in an appointment in your phone to say, I'm going to take 10 or 15 minutes at this time in this place and whatever, and I'm going to start spending some time, some time praying. Some of us say, well, I pray all throughout my day, so I don't, I don't need to have that kind of prayer like that. Well, of course, it's good for us to, to pray, to talk to God throughout our day. But can I encourage you, the way you really grow in prayer is by praying and having some focused, personal time with the Lord, some quiet time with the Lord. If you are a mom or a dad that's here and you have babies and toddlers at home, find a quiet-ish place, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? I mean, you do the best you can at different stages of life, right? But, but find some, a time and a place where you can get alone with God and just start learning to pray. If you need some help, maybe you open it up to, to Matthew chapter 6 and you read through the Lord's Prayer and you kind of use that as a model. Again, not a magic formula, but you say, okay, I'm going to pray that way, Father. You're great. You're holy. You're perfect. I praise you for being such a good papa to me. Good, good father, good daddy. Thank you for your love and your grace. And you kind of go through it and just kind of pray. Like if you need a guide, let that be your guide. But maybe you just need to spend a little bit more time. Maybe, maybe you're like, no, I already do that. Well, maybe you need to take the next step then. Right? So maybe, maybe if you're doing that in the morning, maybe you start doing it a couple times a day. You say, well, I'm going I'm to carve aside some more time. Maybe you're going to, maybe that means, hey, maybe I should find another person or two and we could be prayer partners, have some accountability, but actually pray for some others. Maybe, maybe it's like, you know, I'm going to move from just praying about me and my and this kind of stuff. Maybe there's a step here where you're going to say, I'm going to start praying for other people and, and for God's purposes to prevail. And um, one of the things uh, uh, I always do is if God wakes you up in the middle of the night, I mean, rather than being frustrated and punching the pillow because you're not sleeping and you want to be, which I can do that too. But, uh, but right, I mean, rather than getting frustrated, I, I try to anyway, and I usually do this. I'll just kind of turn my, turn my gaze, God, and just say, God, is there somebody you want me to pray for right now? 
And you'd be amazed at how often God will bring a name or a face or a family or a situation to mind. And I just, I just tend to receive it and say, well, maybe this is God just waking me up to pray for somebody. It's, and it's, it's not uncommon for me then to like follow or send a little email and say, hey, I was up praying for you last night, and to get a huge response, right? People would be like, man, well, I was str- I've been struggling, and this is, I've been in the crapper this week or whatever. <laughs> it's the Holy Spirit prompting. Maybe that's your next step of saying, you know, I'm going to start taking those prompts and moving them to prayer, right? Taking that step and learning to pray. Maybe for you, you're like, you know, November 15th, it's our, it's our prayer and worship night, unplugged, we're calling it, right? Uh, November 15th, maybe it's, I'm going to put that sucker on, the, on the, uh, the calendar and I will be here. I'm going to be here to meet with the living God, to draw close, to worship, and to pray. You just have some extended time with that. Maybe it's as simple as I'm going to show up a little bit early for worship on Sunday mornings and spend some time praying. We meet as a team at 920, 925, something like that, and spend a few minutes praying. But maybe it's just even personally just coming before uh, church on Sunday morning, just come and say, God, I want to draw close to you today. I want to meet with you. I want to worship you. I mean, I'll tell you what, you start praying those kinds of prayers and the living God will blow your socks off right? There's no magic formula. It's not for show. But the living God wants to meet with you. He wants you to know him and walk with him. He wants to fill you with his power, his presence, his peace. He's a good father. He'll give good gifts to his kids. Does he give us everything we want? Genie in a lamp? Nope. No good father I know does, right? But he's good. He's got good plans in store. Would you take a step this week to become a person of prayer? Let's close in prayer. Papa, we thank you, Father. We give you praise that you make relationship open and available to us. That you don't just give us what we want, you give us better. (laughs) You give us yourself. Thank you that you... uh, delight in us, that you love us, that you've loved us so much that you've come and died for us so that we can come back home and into relationship with you. And how can we respond, God, except by opening up our hearts and our lives and stepping in and saying, God, I want to know you. I want to walk with you. I want to I hear from you. I want to share my life with you. I want you to come and fill and lead and guide. God, I'm yours. We're yours pray for us as a church, God, that you would teach us and stretch us and grow us to be a people of you, a people of prayer, a people who delight in living with you and walking with you and just being your kids. We just open ourselves up to you and pray that you'd have your way. May your kingdom come and your will be done in us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.